today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith This is all the suffering you are ever going to go through. Now, think about that. What God does for you and for me is this is he redeems all of the suffering we have. We suffer, but in the midst of that, we draw close to Jesus, we take his nail-scarred hand, and we become wounded healers. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and As Christians, the suffering we experience in this lifetime may feel long and arduous, but it's all we'll ever face. We're being shaped for an eternity in paradise. And through our suffering, God redeems all our pain. Pastor Ed assures us in today's message that though suffering is part of our journey here on earth, it's only temporary. And when we suffer, we should draw close to Jesus, and then even our deepest pain is drawn out and redeemed for the service of His kingdom. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Remember this, write it down, seal it in your heart. Affliction can prepare ordinary Christians for extraordinary service. See, God is doing something on the inside. Whenever God is going to prepare an instrument for something great, for something unusual, for something that's going to effectively advance his kingdom, he takes it into that hot, fiery furnace and it burns and he purifies and he perfects so you might be shouting out in the moment why and God is saying son daughter be patient because I'm preparing you to advance my king I'm preparing you to sit on a throne with me Joseph don't worry Joseph one day that dream will come through Joseph you might be in the darkness of a dungeon now but I want you to know you're going to be second in Egypt You can trust Him. He will not forsake you. That's what Peter is saying. When we sing that chorus, in my life, be glorified. Do you know what you're singing? In my life, Lord, be glorified. We're saying, Lord, allow the suffering, the trial, and all the things that are happening Allow them to be used for your glory and honor. Let your glory rest on me as I'm going through that hard place. So mom, maybe you're going through a hard place. Dad, maybe you're going through a hard place. Wherever that place may be, trust him. He gives us the instruction to expect it. Don't be surprised. And then he explains it. But then he wants us to be careful that we don't mistake a God-given trial for a self-created one. Now, God works in both ones, in both types. But listen to what he says 
He tells us to examine our suffering in our lives. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as Christians, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory God in that name. See, there are some things that are self-inflicted, some things that are divinely appointed. Some things that are in the permissive will of God. Some things that are in the perfect will of God. And so he talks about those things that are in the permissive will, but not the perfect will. He says, there are some things you ought to avoid. Suffering we should avoid. If you suffer, it should not be. And then he says, a murderer, a thief, any kind of criminal, or even a meddler. Now, notice the scale. A murderer, a thief, a criminal, a meddler. What he's saying is the whole spectrum of things. Be careful that you don't create your own problems. Now, I find it interesting that word meddler. Different translations translate it differently. The New Living Translation says, prying into other people's affairs. The New King James, a busybody in other people's affairs. The etymology of the word means that you're overseeing things that are not your responsibility. That's the idea. It comes from the idea of being an overseer and overseeing matters that are not yours. Sometimes we play Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know I'm getting close to stepping on some feet here. Sometimes we simply think it's our responsibility to play God. Let God be God. Be careful. And Peter's saying, don't be a meddler. I want you to picture with me these words in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 26, 17, and this is the words of Solomon. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. So think about this. You're walking along, somebody's walking their dog, and you you pull them by the ear. What's going to happen? It's going to bite you. When you get involved in affairs that are not your own, It'll bite you. So Peter is counseling us. Be very, very careful how you live, how you walk. Then he says there is suffering that you should accept, that you should embrace. In verse 16, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Hmm. Three times in the New Testament... Followers of Christ are called Christian. The first time is found in Acts 11, where believers were called Christians first at Antioch. Then later on, when Paul is before King Agrippa, he says, do you expect me to become a Christian? You think you're going to convert me? And here, the third time, and this time, watch what Peter does. He ties the term Christian with suffering. It's tied together. The first, second, third, fourth century. All the church fathers were up front when they talked about suffering in the believer's life. They didn't try to obscure it. They underscored it. 
I think it's a tragedy when books are being produced and sermons are being preached and give people the false impression that becoming a Christian is an insurance policy against all problems. This puts a pin in that balloon and bursts it. He's saying that suffering is a part of the journey. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died in concentration camp, a Christian godly man who wrote about discipleship, said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Suffering is a badge of true discipleship. You know in Indonesia they have seminars for Christians? How to prepare for suffering, for persecution. We ought to remember that this Christian life is not a game in a playground. It's spiritual warfare. It's involved the conflict of the ages. So he right away is going to explain it to us and Then he goes on to tell us that we ought to examine ourselves. All of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have made some pretty poor decisions at times and we've brought problems into our lives. Don't blame God. Don't blame others. Go to God with it and say, God, here I am. Help me with it. And he will. He is gracious like that. But Peter is saying, when you struggle and when you suffer, Let it be because you are following Jesus Christ, because you are standing up for the word of God, because you are living a righteous and a holy life, because you are obeying the voice of the Spirit, because you are walking in His ways, because you are reading His word, because you are light in darkness, you are salt in a decaying world. Let it be for that reason and not for other reasons. That's what He encourages us to do. Then He goes on in these texts to exhort us, the exhortation in suffering. He says in verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? What he's saying here is this. God judges sin in his people's lives because he loves us. Our inconsistencies, our frailties, our failures, he deals with them. As he deals with them, it's meant to perfect us, to help us, to cleanse us. And so he says, you're really in a refiner's fire. And I want to take you back to chapter 1. Remember, you are in the refiner's fire. In this you greatly rejoice. So now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trial. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What he's saying is that God works in the Christian's life, the believer's life. And he's preparing us for eternity. How many here have a Catholic background? Would you just raise your hand? I'd like to say, okay, a good many. You may put your hand down. There's a doctrine in the Catholic Church that there's an in-between stage between earth and heaven, between life 
and eternal life. And that stage is a stage where sins are purged and atoned for. Sometimes you can enlist people to pray you out of there. Sometimes you just spend enough time in there and and God refines you. What Peter is saying is this. Purgatory doesn't exist. It's while we're in this journey here on earth that God is refining us, that God is preparing us, that God is dealing with the sin in our lives, that God is dealing with the things that aren't right. See, when you get saved, there are things that you know about, things that you don't know about, and all through the process, you're going through the refining fire. That's what he's saying. Peter is bringing our attention to the fact that God's refining us. Christians might have thought, boy, why are we going through this? Well, it should remind them that there's a coming day of judgment where everybody will be judged. But right now, God's working in his church, working in the believer. And he goes on in verse 18. It's a curious verse. It says this, In the righteous is scarcely saved. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Wow. What it's saying is this. It's not that easy to save people. It isn't. Now the atonement is full and powerful. It's not that the cross is weak. It's not that the cross isn't all powerful in redeeming us. But our sinful nature is so down into the very being of our bones. That we're prone to wander and stray. We're prone to leave the God we love. And so what he is saying, Peter, is saying to us that God is in the process of refining us through the journey. And if it takes a lot to get a Christian to heaven, I mean, God is really watching over you all through the journey. And you know that. If it takes a lot to get you to heaven, and the righteous are scarcely saved, only a few will enter the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us. The road is narrow, and it's hard. It was the other week that Linda visited Mary Lee in the Pines, and she was in hospice there. And Linda said to her these words, and there's a great deal of truth in them. This is all the suffering you are ever going to do right now. I believe you are just going to close your eyes here and reopen them in heaven in a split second. This is all the suffering you are ever going to go through. Now, think about that. What God does for you and for me is this, is he redeems all of the suffering we have. We suffer. But in the midst of that, we draw close to Jesus, we take his nail-scarred hand, and we become wounded healers. A son is abused by his father, put down, beaten. That son, in the natural course of things, grows up to be a father and to repeat the sins that were committed against him. And he abuses the son that he has. And on and on through the generations it goes. But... 
When a person comes to Christ and he lays hold of that nail-scarred hand, those wounds heal his broken heart and he becomes a wounded healer. And that chain can be broken. That generational chain can be broken. And he becomes a good father. Loving and healing and helping his son. I know. I know you say, Pastor, that's all sounds good and fine. But I want to drop out of the school of suffering. There are no dropouts in heaven. Suffering is part of the journey. And the refining process sometimes gets so hot. You feel like you're going to burn up. You don't feel like you could make it another day. You feel like it's going to be the last moment. But God, just at the right time, comes in and picks you up and strengthens you and lifts you up. That's what Peter is saying. He said, trust God in the fire. I think of Mary. Mary Lee. I shared at the funeral. She didn't know Christ in a personal way years, years ago. And she had a son. She became pregnant with John. And her pregnancy was very difficult. She had to remain in bed and rest. At the same time, her mother was who's so very close to her became ill with cancer. And so there Mary, she couldn't visit her mom. She had to stay in bed, and her mother was dying of cancer. At the same time, her marriage fell apart, and she became a single mom that could have crushed her, destroyed her, but it became a catalyst to propel her to go to the cross of Calvary to find the wounded healer. And she didn't become a bitter woman, but a better woman. She had a wonderful ministry to the homeless, sometimes going out and bringing the homeless into her apartment. She had a ministry feeding those who had nothing to eat. She signed up for Stephen's ministry. And she said, the reason I want to be involved in Stephen's ministry is because I like to help the hurting and the broken. And her father, who had ostracized her for years and years, so she was like the black sheep of that family. A couple of years ago, he died of cancer. And she was by his bedside, pointing him to our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God takes the bitterness out. God changes us in the midst of the struggle. We're walking through that fire. And that fire is heated seven times hotter. Like those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as we're going through the fire, there's one like the Son of Man that appears in the fire with us to help us, to keep us, to protect us. And the glory of God rests upon us. See, that's what happens in those fiery places, in those places of testing and trial, if you'll allow God to be God. Peter said, don't stop trusting God. That's his very next point in verse 19. He says, commit yourself into your creator's hands. Therefore, those who suffer according to God's will, entrust their souls to their faithful creator while doing good. How beautiful that is. How beautiful. In the trial, 
You simply say, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word." It's not just praying and then bringing back the worries with you. It's not just going to God and complaining. There can be some of that. It's more than that, far more than that. It's going to God and let him put strength in your heart. Let him give you strength for the journey, walking in the power of his word, in the power of his spirit. So he's saying at that moment, that's what you get. Trust your God, commit yourself into his hands. Would you do that? Maybe you just feel like you're in the midst of a storm and you feel like the boat's going to sink. Maybe you feel like all hell has broken loose in your home. And you feel like, I don't know. He's there. Someone has said, if you take your problems to the Lord, it's natural. If you give your problems to the Lord, it is supernatural. Peter said it this way, casting all, all your care upon him, for he careth for you, the same God who died on the cross, who spent his very lifeblood to redeem you, is the God who's not going to quickly let you go, who's going to hold on to your hand, even when you feel like you can't hold on to his hand. That's what he promises, that God is going to be with you. Peter said, don't forget it. Those who bless God in the trials will be blessed by God in their trials. Don't listen to Job's wife. When the trials came and knocked on his door and broke his door down and took everything, she said, curse God and die. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. It's that praise that resonates within us. Lord, I know I'm not alone. I know you're with me. I know you're going to help me. I know you're going to guide me. I know you're going to take me through this. God, I know that I know that I know that you're there. In Acts 14.22, the words of the great encourager Barnabas and the great soul winner Paul They strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So when the enemy comes and lies to you and said, God left you. Say, no, 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 the book said that this is on the map and I'd go through that. But he's going to take me through it. And so you get behind me, Satan. So when you feel like It's all dark and not light. You just say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You take God at his word. You keep his promise in your heart. And you remember. Remember, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend upon his word. We hope you've been blessed by the teaching of Dr. Edward Jones in the book of 1 Peter and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. 
Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Get to know the wonderful people behind Building in Faith and learn what we believe as a church and desire to share with everyone who listens. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are all encouraged in God's Word and are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. If you are in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.